Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? calling me for oh is it double feature time it's double feature time my name is eric <laughs> i am joined today by michael of course to celebrate robocop and some fucking jalo movie that's right classic double feature move no it's october uh robocop is not spooky enough minority reports and dario argento's opera also wrong but Am I getting closer? Or what Remarkably similar. Uh, no, you're in a way. You're close. Um, you, uh, we're we're gonna do this. Is in our ongoing terror crusade to do the arbitrary something old, something new, something borrowed, and something blue for October. We're gonna do upgrade and malignant. Wow. Uh, this is the something new pair, but there's actually an ulterior motive here, which. I'm actually really proud of. I think we really did a good job pairing this. And if you want to know what that ulterior motive is, you have to wait for me to talk about patreon.com forward slash double feature. That is our uh, Patreon. That's how you will keep the show alive. Um, If you love ideas like, hey, let's do something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, but spooky, if those are the kinds of ideas that really get you randy, then give your idea a website at Squarespace. <laughs> That's right, Squarespace. Make great websites great with Squarespace. Are you oh. are you tired of us constantly talking about the Patreon? Casper Mattress, a good place to sleep at night. No. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com forward slash double feature. That's where you can go. You can give us some money. You can prevent the ads from being on the show. Depending on how you want to play it, you could pick movies, you could executive produce the show, you could go back and listen to all of the times where we covered these two filmmakers previously in our massive back catalog. There's so much that you can unlock at patreon.com forward slash double feature, but the main thing will be my heart. You can unlock my heart. (laughs) That's good, yeah. Because it shows me... That you want to keep something you love alive, which is more than I can say for myself sometimes. Um, oh my God, I feel you. And so really... Something in the air this week, man. I don't know what's going on. We're really grateful uh, for you guys here today. And we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic uh, about next week. Uh, just the existence of next week is what I mean. That, that's little else. Yeah, it's it's definitely one foot in front of the other around here. We have October in the uh, in the I don't know viewfinder here, and I think we just need to keep proceeding with caution through October. So help us make it through the month of October. How are we this far into the show, and we're still doing a weekly funding pledge? As if this is, hey, we're trying out this new thing called a podcast. We don't know if it's going to work. Uh, we've got a couple episodes up. But if you go on patreon.com forward slash double feature, maybe we could uh, maybe we could do this full time where you just keep podcasting forever. Sometimes I feel like our show comes to a head, though. Like uh, every everything leads up to this, you know? Mm-hmm. These are where all the roads are merging. Yeah. 
we did not set out all of these October themes in order to just arrive at Upgrade and Malignant. Right. But man, does it feel like it once we get here. I'm Ooh. like, oh, so yeah. all of this all of this watching movies up to this point has led us here. Yeah. These are two movies uh, that are made by two different humans who are often accidentally viewed as one human. That's kind of how I, I want to frame this. So Upgrade is a movie written and directed by a guy named Lee Winnell, not somebody new to Double Feature. He is the writer for uh, the first three Saw, Saw installments, if you remember that, Killapalooza. He also is an actor in the first Saw movie. Um, he wrote the first two Insidious movies. He wrote, I think, the first two Conjurings, definitely the first Conjuring. And I believe directed the third. Um or the third Insidious. No, he directed the third Insidious. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I meant. And then he also, the, his, his to date, the biggest jewel in his, in his tiara is the Invisible Man movie with Elizabeth Moss. He directed oh, that. that's right, that's right. And single-handedly did something that Universal could not do for the last 15 years, which is start a Universal monster franchise. Yeah, and he successfully did it. You know, now he's doing the Wolfman with like, I don't know, Ryan Gosling or some shit. But he's just this guy. He's sort of like inadvertently ends up feeling like a behind the scenes type dude, but he's never really far from the scenes. And then, so that's Upgrade. And then just the James Wan, who uh, wrote and directed Malignant, or at least directed Malignant, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, he directed Saw. He directed Insidious 1 and 2. He directed The Conjuring 1 and 2. He uh, directed Dead Silence. He directed also Aquaman and Fast and Furious 7. This is, he's a behemoth filmmaker at yeah. this point in his career. I mean, Lee Winnell worked his way up to one of the least indie, indie horror movies of 2020 that went straight to VOD because of the pandemic. James Wan is like a name, dude. Like you go, James Wan's new film is called Malignant and people are like, swipe card. Well, you know what it feels a little bit like is you remember when we'd come on the show and be like, yeah, this obscure filmmaker making personal movies like Sucker Punch, Zack Snyder. Yeah. And now, you know, I mean, there's a generation for who that is just, oh, name the most famous filmmaker alive. Right. And I I mean, there's a lot of things that do that, but I don't think that's just a superhero thing. It is all, like you mentioned, Fast and the Furious. You know, we do have crossovers. Not everybody who starts in in uh, low-budget horror is relegated to that uh, area forever or even chooses <laughs> to work there right. forever. And I think that's one of the things we can really, it's easy to forget is, you know, we talk so often about what directors are into and what kind of area we see them work in. But also, this is true across the creative sphere. You see this a lot with actors. A lot of them like trying new things. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say most, but maybe most. Like, oh, I've done this already. I want to try something new. I'm reaching for this other thing. I'm interested in a new thing. And I feel like that is just a, that's a creative problem in general. And uh, it's been really strange to to watch James Wan's path from like a person who was very much in the the sort of area of like movies I see all the time to Aquaman, you know? Right. And I, I mean, I guess that's true of Zack Snyder too. There was a time where we talked about Zack Snyder a lot 
And now he is more associated with these other giant DC movies than even, you know, you know, this idea that like James Gunn wrote a Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead movie. Dude. It almost feels like obscure trivia or something. James Gunn's another one. Yeah, yeah, totally. James Gunn, you know, fucking remember Lolly Love? Oh, totally. The James Gunn written, Jenna Fisher directed (laughs) trauma mockumentary. What a weird, Um, yeah. (laughs) But all that is to say we are here on something new and we are talking not only about two new horror movies, one very new, but also sort of like this idea of, to me, and I don't know, I'm railroading you with this because we didn't do a lot of prep on what this conversation was going to be, but I really would like to have a conversation on what new horror looks like, what horror looks like, what the horizon of horror is, right? Looking forward. Um, and I think, I'd, uh, full disclosure, I think we are missing a third facet, but I think Upgrade and Malignant really do hit two of the biggest staples of what modern horror looks like. And double bonus upgrade is techno horror. Yeah, well, I was going to say, what is this third? The witch. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel Aster. like... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like those movies are a lot more kind of under the umbrella of stuff we cover a lot. Right. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I tend to venture further and further the longer we do the show away from blockbuster movies. Yes, and I, I do feel like, I don't know if I would have wound up on that trajectory naturally, but watching movies for the show and going, okay, so what what's the format of, like, what does watching a movie look like in my life? I go, I see the movie, I think about it a bit, and then I go into, how am I going to pair this mode? Or how do I talk to Michael about this mode? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's harder to do with blockbuster films or even action films, honestly. And I think that was one of my, I mean, I love the fuck out of Upgrade. I saw it in a theater when it came out. Mm-hmm. And even even Upgrade, I think there's plenty to talk about, but it doesn't go in the same place in my head as like a pigeon sat on a branch reflecting on existence. Or something, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where I'm just like, oh, that's obviously a movie for the show. It's There's just so much to talk right. about. We can all get together sure. and have our you know fucking book club and do it. Yeah, it's especially difficult. We can move into Upgrade here, but it's especially difficult if when we're talking about modern movies, and this is something else that we don't actually talk much about the show, but like if there's a movie from like the last 18 months, I literally have to slaughter a lamb to get you to consider it. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm straight well I don't want to be part of the hot take community, you know. Exactly. And well and so much of so much of like the modern cinema thing is thumbs up thumbs down. I didn't, you know, really it's yeah. so easy to look at a brand new movie and go here's what I didn't like, right? That's the easiest conversation to ever have. And I think, you know, going into going into a movie like Upgrade I feel like to me, upgrade is the absolute ceiling more than the invisible man, the absolute ceiling of an indie horror movie before it feels like a mainstream horror movie. Yeah. Because you have a lot of heavy use of special effects, anything, you know, anytime there's punching in any movie now, and I mentioned this to you off the air, but we'll mention it on both films today. Anytime there's like fast punching, I'm like, okay, you're trying to invoke a little John Wickness. You're definitely going to appeal to a certain audience here. 
Whenever combat becomes a part of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. So Upgrade does a lot of things. It's techno horror, which is, you know, very, very vogue for modern, uh, modern society because, you know, like every single time you log on to any device, it's stealing your information and feeding it to fucking Mark Zuckerberg's, you know. Oh yeah, the themes of this movie feel even better today than in yeah. 2018. Right. When it came out. You know, and that that's a weird thing too, but I mean, when I first saw the movie, I I was still very much married to technology. Right. And I've just so fallen. I've become the dude who works on the cars, you know. It's true. I'm over here like I want to shoot on analog film. I don't use social media. Get it all away from me. So I feel like the three years that's transpired have even just proven out mm -hmm. like some of the stuff that Upgrade was doing that was really tongue in cheek, really like wink at the camera at the time, two on the nose at the time. Mm hmm. Now I'm like, yes, the villain is tech. Yes, AI is coming for us. Yeah. You know, that feels like it went from feeling goofy to like really fucking important in a weird way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's still a funny movie. This is still a, a movie that, you know, like it immediately went to that Robocop place in my head. Mm -hmm. Or that. Mm -hmm. uh, Speaking of funny movies, uh, just came to me. Cooties, also Lee Winnell, written, and he's one of the actors. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, good call on that. I totally fucking forgot about that. Yeah. You know what I thought was funny is we're doing this on a show that's, you know, something new. Mm -hmm. And the first joke I make is on what kind of movies these are borrowing from. And I think part of that is. You know, these are movies with a big what the fuck factor to them. Sure. And my gut instinct is, and you know, I see this a lot when people talk about, we'll get into it, especially with Malignant, but people want to go, oh, it's like this. Oh, it's doing mm -hmm. this. Well, that's, I think, a little bit, um, pardon me for leading us exactly where you probably want to go, but uh, I think a little bit of that is, is, when you get into modern cinema, there is this general loglineism of I need to be able to explain this to people within a few sentences so that I can get the point across that they should throw money at my project. If my mm -hmm. name isn't James Wan, if my name's James Wan, I go, hey, got a script and then money just appears in my fucking bank account. Oh, someone owed him a favor for this. This was him <laughs> cashing in, you know. Um, but I think Lee Winnell is definitely the kind of person that go, he's got to take, you know, his, his script for upgrade and go, okay, so it's kind of got Terminator Skynet elements, but with like, it's sort of like, imagine if RoboCop existed in the Terminator universe, except the comic relief is also the RoboCop character. <laughs> It's just his head. His head is the comic relief and his body is RoboCop. I love the scene where he's like, hey, can you shut up? And then the thing doesn't talk to him for like 30 seconds. And he's just like, yeah, never mind. I'm lonely. Come back. <laughs> just kills me. The two things that I think are the most Lee Winnell of this movie are, uh, and, and I need to credit um, Logan Marshall Green. Uh, for the performance because one it, it, it all is encapsulated in the one scene the first scene where he goes like stem fight right he, he lets stem defend him yeah and uh it, the his performance of somebody who is out of control of his body is the fucking it is fucking bruce campbell and army of darkness levels of hilarious 
where he's beating a guy with fucking dishes and like the look on his face is like, oh my God, I'm hitting him with so many dishes. This is insane. Yeah. And then how it all capitulates in one of the most like violent things I've ever seen in modern cinema where it's just like the knife up through the face. Oh yeah. It's, it's that sort of, you know, you're afraid it's going to give you an eight and it gives you a fucking 10. Yeah. And it's, it's this fucking, you know, the, um, I don't remember if it was, I think it's Quentin Tarantino about hostel, the two great tastes that go great together. The, Mm -hmm. you know, the Reese's thing about, about blood and comedy, or I think in that case, it's like probably blood and feet, but in this case it's blood and comedy. Um, and it's just like, the scene is so fucking funny. And in a normal scene, like in a, in a, in a more seriously toned horror movie, this scene is really intense and it capitulates with comic relief. Mm -hmm. Somebody breaks the tension with a joke in this movie. The intensity is laced with the comic relief. And so the punchline is this incredibly violent tableau at the end. And it's, it is, it's like shocking and hilarious, but mostly shocking and it's it's in that scene where I feel like the entirety of the craft of what Upgrade is doing is all on display. And then everything after that just becomes how do we keep cranking up the heat and tell a compelling story? Because at that point, you have my full fucking attention. All right. So we fell, uh, you know, head over heels uh, on this movie immediately. The log line of this is kind of, you know, the the sort of cheap kind of a lie version of it is like this guy and his, is it his girlfriend, his wife? I think his wife, right? Yeah, probably. This guy and his wife get mugged. He's paralyzed. And then a weirdo billionaire wanders into his life, gives him a magic AI talking chip that restores the ability to use his limbs. Right. But at what cost? Yeah. And then he exacts revenge on uh, his wife's killers. It's basically the plot of Oh God mixed with Robocop. Nobody knows what that is. (laughs) You weren't here last year on Double Feature? No, I wasn't here last year. (laughs) Oh God is dead. So it's a sci-fi movie and uh, it's a not too distant future movie. But I mean, none of that talks about what the movie is for me. For me, the movie, and you know, I've described the movie since as, uh, in in the same way you might with Malignant, which is why I also think this is uh, such a great pair, such a, like one of these pairs that it's weird how similar these movies ended up being. But this is a movie that has, in my mind, one trick to pull off. Not to say there aren't more things, And we've already talked about how much feeds into that trick. You know, it's a camera trick that I want to talk about. But what it really ends up being is, you know, you have to build the world. You have to talk about the themes. And yeah, you're right. Can't can't be said enough. The performance really kind of makes it. Mm -hmm. I feel like different actors could take it in different directions and certainly ruin it. Like you don't get away with it unless you, camera, and the actor all nail it at the very minimum. That's that core little package. Mm-hmm. But look, if you've seen Upgrade, if you haven't seen Upgrade, there's a visual, um, you know, there's kind of a visual gag to it. There's visual language to it. And it's, I mean, if you're a visual person in even the slightest degree, this is one of those movies you have to see. But I'm going to assume most people have at this point listening to the scene Upgrade. So, 
you know, the second the camera work kicks into gear, and it's not like I'm I'm avoiding not saying it, but it is just that, you know, the the camera sort of like uh, snaps to the movements of the body, right? Everybody knows. Yeah, that. it's like image locked or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's just like that, fa- that Pennywise dancing clown scene, but for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost. I mean, what's weird is that there haven't been more people just going, that was awesome, we're going to steal that and right. use it in our bigger and bigger and bigger budget thing. There's a moment to this. Both of these movies today have this... Um, in tech, we used to call it a wow moment. You know, you would intentionally devise something so that when the consumer got it, they went, oh my God, this is a game changer. Mm-hmm. This is a fucking revolution that I'm seeing. And both of these movies, and part of that's just the, the presentation and how you package this little feature or how you position it. So this movie has, you know, we've talked about Snorkam before. We talked about, you know, angst could even be seen as a, very early precursor to this kind of thing. (laughs) But it's not done exactly the same way. In fact, what I think is really interesting about how it's done here is it sort of looks like, oh, we've attached a camera to a guy, but it's actually handcrafted on a per-scene basis. Like, you could not go, you know, if you or I, if I wanted to film you doing a snorecam type thing, we'd strap a snorecam on you. And you could go out and we could film a whole documentary like that. Mm-hmm. We could have a YouTube series, Michael and the Snorkam, right? And just go and do it. For sure. But the way Upgrade's done, it would not be feasible to do that because it's actually like, here's what we have to do in the movie. Every single one of these scenes actually needs a different approach for how we're going to, and you know, it, it all looks coherent. It looks like you're kind of doing the same trick. But when you look at it, and sometimes it's editing and, you know, sometimes it's close to the actor. Sometimes you can see him in full body, which obviously you can't with Snorkam. So the approach has to be handcrafted for the scene. So it is really pretty clever the way they're pulling it off. But I guess I just more wanted to talk about the wow moment, mm-hmm. which, you know, I mean, is just burned in my mind. The first time you see this thing kick into gear. Yeah. He's in the house. Yep. And man, I just fuck. I can see it now. You know, are you are is, you you're talking about the the from behind shot where he's walking through the doorway, or are you talking about when he stands oh, up? Oh, not that. No, there is a little <laughs> hint of it. Yeah, there is a yeah. little hint of like, oh, something's yeah. going on now. It's different. Yeah, but I mean the. the I, I sec- love that I just described that as vaguely as fucking possible, and you're like, not that exact <laughs> moment, but I do no, know what I, you're talking but I know about. That one too. No, I'm talking about he's broken in the guy's apartment. He's hiding there. Mm-hmm. All of the writing just leads so beautifully to you know, and that is part of it too, is really showing like, oh, he's afraid, and he's going to get his ass kicked, and we're seeing him get his ass kicked, and even from the trailer or whatever, you might know this moment is coming. But I'm talking about the second he snaps upright mm-hmm. and just everything that, you know, beat after beat of that fight, it really reads to me like this is a revolution. You know, it's mm-hmm. the first time you see fucking bullet time in the Matrix. Yep. Yep. You know, or or a lot of the the fights and the a lot of the action moments that were seen to be fucking revolutionary about the Matrix. Yeah. Or like the tree running in Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. It has that feeling that, you know, your I think your aim is to leave the audience feeling like all of cinema has now changed. Everything is different from now on. We have this thing now. 
And no matter how many precursors or, you know, we talk about Snorricam or whatever, no matter how many places you can point in the history of filmmaking and go, ah, there was something sort of like it here or it drew from this inspiration or whatever, nothing truly feels the way Upgrade feels when it just nails into that gear. And I love so much what a self-evident kind of power that is. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a jaw drop moment. Right. The movie's basically going, when we do this thing, when we hit this button, you know, when I show you this proof of concept, you're going to go, oh, fuck, I have to see that movie. Oh, fuck, I get exactly what you're doing. It clicks immediately, and I want to know how all of this plays out. And I just love that kind of filmmaking that doesn't, it doesn't, it's actually sort of the opposite of a lot of what we're talking about. It doesn't require all of this deeper thinking. It doesn't require you to have, you know, this elaborate context or understand where you just show that one minute to anybody and it just reads. It reads so beautifully. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to go, we're going to do this movie around this kind of trick and then you show up, you fucking nail the trick. I'll say really quickly before we move to Malignant too. Oh, also the fuck you ending. We should just... So good. G- you know, good job on the sort of... What do they call that in gaming? Like when you get the bad ending or, you know, like the evil, it's an oh, evil yeah. kind of movie. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know the name of it, but I know what you're well, talking just, about. Yeah, makes those themes re great. But also, like, um, you know, if you want to talk about a more subtle kudos to this movie that I thought really held up, the interfaces and the designs in this film, you know, it's a movie about a not-too-distant future technology. Mm-hmm. There's no knockoff products in this, you know? Yeah. Like, they don't run, like, a fring search, or they're not like, oh, let's look up his details on Find Oogle or whatever. That You know when they do that mm-hmm. in movies? Fake social media, you know, Facebook, whatever Book the face. fuck they do. So there's none of that. They, they totally, um, they use the picture of the future from film and they really lean into that. Right. Where, you know, they kind of go back, a lot of their references... You know, like you look at Minority Report is always a big one for interfaces. Mm-hmm. They kind of go, okay, so Minority Report, that's an old movie now, right? Decades have passed. I don't know how, how long it's been since, my, let's say decades <laughs> have passed. It's like one and a half decades. It's been a while since Minority Report. Where was Minority Report correct? And how do we continue down that path, right? Mm-hmm. So they have things like the Microsoft table was really big, you know, a couple years before this film. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of see where they they continue down that route. And I think it's just such a, it's so much more tactful than when a movie tries to go, oh, we've got a thing from the future that's really, even the decor, the decor is like sure the office designers from Facebook and then like, you know, Melania Trump's holiday mm-hmm. party <laughs> decor like merge into one. Right. I just love the design of this well, future. Sorry. We got Well, no, it's, it's, it's also good because your, your main character is a total Luddite. So the fact is your narrator is unreliable for technology. Like it could be way more advanced, but you're only, uh, you only oh, understand as too. much yeah, as I your about that. dumb character understands. <laughs> So you actually, it, it basically leaves it, it's like a super good device to leave it open-ended. But anyway, onto the movie where, uh, you know, the person's only in control of their body for half of it. Um, so, 
uh, Malignant, James Wan's literally latest venture at, at the time of recording. Who knows? Dude's fucking busy. So, man, so you want to talk about modern horror? When this movie, when the trailers and shit started coming, I'm just going to lay this on the table. I know we don't normally do this, but like, uh, Modern James Wan is not my favorite James Wan. That's just I'll put it I'll put it yeah, that man, way. I hear you. Yeah. I think that's probably an important sort of yeah. there's nothing I'd I'd want to do less than watch a conjuring movie. So yeah. I a hundred percent get what you're saying. But there's this there's this there's this sort of magnetic reality that we live in that I can't I'm a horror person f- before I'm a good movie person, apparently. Like I just can't <laughs> there's just a part of me where a horror movie, the existence of a horror movie that other people are going to see requires my viewing more than the existence of a good movie that other people are going to see. And we have reached this point in the, in the history of horror where unlike, I mean, it's, it's so impossible to deny the fact that somebody in the trailer verse can go, James Wan, Malignant, September 30th. And you're just like, cool, I'm signing up. It's it's to the level of New West Craven. It's to the level of John Carpenter in the late 80s. It's fucking, I mean, it's it's the horror equivalent of Tarantino. I just think of the um, Kubrick Cruz Kidman done. That's the trailer, only trailer you yeah. find, you know. And you're talking about the Eyes Wide Shut trailer. Yeah. And so James Wan has achieved this thing in horror that I think Ari Aster is on the verge of where he literally just has to go, uh, okay, so I have this movie. It's about evil. Let's look up evil in a thesaurus. Uh, Insidious. No, we used Insidious. Uh, Malignant. That's the next one. So we'll call it Malignant. Uh-huh. And he j- that's it. I mean, it's like literally all anyone needs to be like, I'll sign up for this. And the reason I think this is important and the reason I think it's not important that I don't like modern James Wan is because James Wan is the only time your average Avengers moviegoer buys a horror ticket. Regardless of whether or not we want to talk about whether Malignant has more artistic value than Midsummer, it's the sheer fact that people are willing to sign up for the spook show that James Wan promises 100% of the time. And that is to me, the power of malignant is that I didn't know what it was about. I had seen the poster, maybe a trailer had come on before. Like when I saw, I think the trailer came on before Candyman or something, Mm -hmm. but none of, I didn't know the plot. None of it mattered. None of it mattered. And it came out and I watched it that's all it takes. It's, 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 it's so important to me that there is, you think it's like a cultural event when one of these movies occurs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's solely James Wan's putting out a movie. Everybody go see it and your opinion on it, you know, fucking whatever I've seen the, I've seen the full spectrum. I've seen movie is better off, not made. And I've seen malignant is the first horror movie uh, that I've seen in years that we will be talking about 10 years from now. And yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. The one commonality I see, I mean, this is, this is interesting to me to read this as like what works in horror, what goes big in horror, what is, 
you know, as you say, what is modern horror? I mean, that's what we're talking about is like the big stuff. What's really controlling when people are trying to get their dollars back or make money or make movies that uh, only, you know, people only see a couple movies a year or see. Mm -hmm. These are the sort of films we're talking about. And yeah, I mean, you know, as soon as you see James Wan that this is going to be uh this is going to be a talked about movie. This is going to be a movie lots of people see. But I think what this also has in common with what A24 has done in a very weird way is the marketing of their movies. And you you see the marketing specifically do this. They go up, this is going to be weird. It's going to be some weird something in here. Look at Lamb. Yeah, right. Lamb. I knew you were. Gonna, I knew you like, were talking about. These lamb. are getting more, but I think I think even Midsummer's doing that too. Midsummer, they're like the bear. The bear is the thing from the movie to start marketing in a weird way to just go. So people are kind of like, well, what is this? And as more and more marketing today starts to revolve around memes, sure, and sort of the like astroturfing of memes and companies trying and to shareability. I mean, you need the totally. the the sort of like public. Adoption of virality outside of the 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 sort of like idiotic old understanding of virality. Mm. There's this sort of reality of mm. something needs to be a certain amount of time and have a certain level of iconography. That if you see it once or twice, everybody goes, "What's that Lamb movie?" And then that's why yeah. with Lamb specifically. Sorry, I know this isn't a Lamb show, but with Lamb specifically, uh, I don't know if you if you've seen the trailer enough times mm. to see that it was obviously previously called Mother Earth, but some executive. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah, like if you look at the trailer, it goes Mother Earth, and then like the words Mother and Earth separate and lamb appears in the middle and to me that's a very clear sign that <laughs> somebody funny. wrote a movie called mother earth and some a24 executive it's like the gag and death proof where it's called yeah. something else and then the fake yeah the, the like re exactly issued title comes in over it's it. like some exec was like listen people are just gonna be calling this the lamb movie i don't think mother earth is the right title funny <laughs> yeah but a24 is always interesting for the way they market movies because they pick up real you know, weird, independent, and art house films. And then they brand them in a way where they play to a huge audience. So what's what's interesting about Malignant in that way is I feel like we're in a time now where maybe Malignant couldn't have been made or wouldn't have been successful even five or, or definitely 10 years ago. But right now at this moment, the sort of what the fuck of it, again, it creates this wow moment that is, you know, what you were saying about the marketing of Malignant, I'm in a place in my life where that didn't work on me. The idea that, oh, it's a horror movie, therefore I'll see it. This last year of my life just has deliberately not been my focus. Mm -hmm. So I'm an edge case. I'm really not, you know, I was seeing every 100 horror movies a year or something ridiculous, you know, every new horror movie that came out. And when I came to New York, I stopped. There's too many weird art houses. There's too much I can see and COVID and I don't know. So I've just started only seeing the stuff where I'm like, this is an interesting trailer or concept. I, I'm doing the opposite thing you were talking about. I'm going, this is going to be a good movie. Mm -hmm. I'll go to it. It has a good chance of being a good movie. But this movie, so the, the, this is going to be a huge horror movie everybody's talking about. For the first year in, in a while, that was not enough for me. And the thing that got me on this movie was that other part of the hook, the part that was like, 
this is going to be fucking weird. There is a weird thing in this movie and you want to know what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's weird. And it's highly divisive. Mm-hmm. And highly divisive, I think, is actually the mark of success. Sure. Whereas like, this movie's a four out of five. All your friends agree it's great. That doesn't work for this movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is a half a star or a five. Yeah. It is, you know, it has saved horror or destroyed it. Like those are the... Right. So I think this, you know, it's important to have this uh, this documentation at this specific time to go when this movie came out, it was all over the map. And I don't know how it's going to read in five or 10 years, but right now everybody feels a different way. Mm-hmm. about this film. So I feel like I'm a really good test case for this because I felt two separate different ways about this movie <laughs> because I full disclosure, you know, it's October. We're all friends here. I full disclosure quit watching this. <laughs> I uh, you didn't you didn't make it to the weird. No, I was watching it and there's some stupid line. Uh the line was uh, wait, so the kill, you're saying the killer is your imaginary friend. And I'm like, fuck this. And I turned it off. And then the next day we recorded a show and we went, we need something new. And I was like, you know, malignant's new. And you're like, Oh yeah, malignant we could do. And so I, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll finish malignant. And, um, my opinion on the movie, <laughs> so hard to say, man, I'm polarized myself, but I can definitely tell you that it improved that my feelings on malignant <laughs> From, oh yeah, yeah. There's like an internal. No, I know what you mean. From my feelings on *Malignant* improved dramatically from before I knew that there was a backwards face John Wick monster, and after. Yeah, it's probably sheerly from you know something that you mentioned on *Upgrade* is is when you're talking about a movie like *Upgrade*, you go *RoboCop*, uh, *Terminator*, uh, you know, uh, fucking all the other movies that you just start thinking of movies that it's you know kind of reminiscent of. Malignant, you can't do that. Malignant, you can't name the other movie with the semi-symbiotic, half-removed, cancerous Siamese twin on the backside of your head that's taking vengeance in reverse battle fighting. Like, there's no other movie that does that. I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to come out here and... Uh, I don't need to make a basket case for how this is like other movies, okay? So I'm, <laughs> I'm not here to do that today. What I think is is funny too about watching it, like I hear what you're saying because I, like I said about The Conjuring, let me put it this way. There's a lot of conjuring still in this movie. You have to get through like a whole conjuring of events written at the script level of the fucking conjuring mm-hmm. before the thing happens. And also they signpost a lot of this. I mean, the the whole beginning of the movie is, I mean, unless you're blind, you know that there's like a creature and there's powers and then it just mysteriously disappears and is not talked about, hint, hint, because it's like attached to the other person who you do watch a movie involving. So it's not, you know, I've heard a lot of people who are sort of uh, like, oh, I know this was coming. (laughs) <laughs> For me, it's not about the like, oh, I get it, they're the same person or they're the what, you know, whatever. It's not the thing, it's how the thing. Mm-hmm. The moment where it breaks, where the thing that I know is coming breaks, the degree to which it goes for it, that's the shock for me. That's the wow moment on this movie for me. Mm-hmm. 
because it's playing like studio fair kind of $50 million broad horror movie. And then it just goes full crazy Mm -hmm. to a level that I feel like, I mean, you got to applaud it to some degree. You know, I do. Like, I'm very it. much in that camp of of like, this is so insane that it a trick's being played on somebody. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's us. I, I mean, don't know if it's the studio. But I feel like somebody there's there's a there's this thing with with malignant that I can't help but think about, and I think about this a lot when I'm watching now modern horror movies. Um, it's actually stemmed from something. We'll actually get into it a little bit more next week. But I think about can't say stemmed. Oh, gross! I think about um, <laughs> I think about you know how slasher movies came out, and the first one came out, and it's like doing something. It's like oh, this woman's killing people um, around a lake, and then the second movie's like okay, now we know what we're doing, and then there's nine more. Mm-hmm. And so when you watch a movie like Malignant. I watch the first half and go, okay, well, you know, that's, that's fucking the dream demon trying to kill Nancy. Mm-hmm. And then the second half of Malignant is uh, almost quite literally, Freddy's inside the boy killing people. And by the time, you know, by the time Malignant ends, we are firmly in the hell clock from the Amityville house is murdering people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And at yeah. that point... You know what my head's doing. My head's going, all right, I need to see where you want to take this. Give me sequels. I require sequels because I need to know how you're going to milk this nonsense in a way that remains enjoyable. And I oh, don't see, that's mean my that. Fear. That was part of what I loved about doing it right now on the show. Yeah. It's all my resistance of like, oh, hot takes and whatever. That's all fine. But another part of me was like, they're going to fucking do nine sequels to this movie. Yeah. And then the sort of like unknown element magic of it. Exactly. For whatever that's worth to you is going to be gone. Well, because yeah. Because it's going to just be sort of like known quantity. I mean, think of it, think of it in terms of, in terms of um, the easiest one to see this with is, is, is child's play. The first child's play is a, it's sort of a whodunit, is this kid murdering people movie? Yeah. Until like two thirds of the way through when it turns out voodoo murder doll. The second film posters the voodoo murder doll. Yeah. And every subsequent movie is, the first movie stars Andy. The second movie, like half and half, and by the by the fucking fourth movie, we don't even talk. It's called Bride of Chucky. Like we have eliminated the the good guys, uh, proverbially, not literally, from even the title board. It's a fucking. Mm-hmm. It's a Chucky movie. Chucky's in the movie. It's about Chucky. He's a killer doll. But the first movie is ooh, is this kid actually a bad child? Is this bad seed? What are we doing? And yeah. and then eventually it just be, you know, so like to your point, Malignant 2 isn't even going to be called Malignant 2. It's going to be called fucking Anthony the Other Face or whatever his fucking name is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I didn't look, pay I, attention. <laughs> I do, if we're just being honest, I do think there is some magic where we get through this it makes a fuck ton of money and it still doesn't get a sequel. I think I hope is. that I hope we don't get there. I, I require not You're going to space. You're on the rocket with this. You're taking it to space. I, oh my God, you got that. I, that's the only way that I'm gonna feel like this has the value it it that we need as a society 
is I want to see fucking Malignant get loose in Las Vegas, man. All right, let's get out of here. I've <laughs> I've walked the tightrope of saying nice things about expensive horror movies, and I can <laughs> I can do so no longer. Website is patreon.com forward slash double feature. And the executive producers of our show are Henrik Dinner, The Abbot of Unreason, Tom Leonard, Tony Gleed, and John. Hey, John. Thank you. Hope these were interesting to you. I feel like we have a lot of longtime listeners on there who will appreciate us going back to these filmmakers. But also, we're, we're very welcome to new people joining up. So if you've only been listening for this year or part of this year, come join on our, our Patreon. We'll do this whole thing together. We got uh, another episode coming up next time. We're going to continue October horror movies. That's right. Next week in our in our list of of whatever this is, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, it's something borrowed next week. And at my behest, you pushed for something that we have not in the history of double feature done, which is to do a movie and its remake. Yeah. As soon as I did it to write that down, by the way, I hated it, but it's fine. I'm gonna. Yeah. I I think we keep doing it. So. We uh we tossed back and forth a few options and you you humored me by letting me go with uh which you not saying it wasn't this is your idea that I colored. Uh we're going with House of Wax and House of Wax. What, 1953 and 2015, isn't it? Is that? it 2015? I think it's 2008. Uh, it might be 2005. I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of this next time. I, I hope you didn't watch House of Wax 2015. Did yours have Paris Hilton in it? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. watch more fucking film. <laughs> oh, God. Bye. <laughs>